0: gosh so my sweet little kiddo child Uh at school uh told me about (laughs) this youtube channel that does caillou at like 21 (laughs) it's freaking hilarious (laughs) oh my gosh i was dying number one i was a little mortified that this sixth grader was watching it but number two i was really glad he told me about it because i (laughs) had a really good laugh for about a half an hour and Dora was in one of them. That's what reminded me of it. Dora and Caillou. So, yeah, they had a one night stand. Friends. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, it was so good. And then like Arthur came and
1: his little bunny Arthur. friend. Oh
0: man, it's so good. That's
1: a lot. That is
0: a lot. Trust me, I give it a Back four steer, and a half out of five it's stars. In. It's good. That's oh, amazing.
1: God. Yeah. Yeah. It was a good time. <laughs> it was a good time. So there you go. It's so welcome, welcome, welcome! <laughs> we have our um, amazing hallucination back, Annie.
0: She's Woo-hoo. all in one piece too. I'm really, really. Yay! Glad I'm so happy because oh. I love it when I push
2: play and you guys don't know, and then you start the show, away.
0: and then leave. <laughs> Alicia looks at me like, what the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, that happened. <laughs> oh. uh, you
1: all are oh, candid It's moments. my favorite. I'm also very happy
2: that Dani is here. Like, oh my gosh, it's been so
1: long. Actually, this has been the first time the four of us have been together for... <sighs> a while. Almost two months, I guess. <laughs> Since the like, beginning of December, right?
0: I think so. <laughs> That's so sad. Yeah. I don't like it at
1: all. It's time. I
0: don't like it at all. Yeah. And not only is it us four that are here,
1: but also the two dogs are in here. Oh, yeah. We which have a full house. It
0: is a full house.
2: Yes. yes. Tonight. It sure is. It There's sure
1: still is. Christmas shit and stuff around to <laughs> be put away. And yeah, Christmas it's a hot mess. It's Yeah. Um, so welcome to Pacific Northwest Weirdness. I'm Jen. I'm Vanessa. I'm Alicia. And
2: that's the loop We did it. <laughs>
0: oh Oh, my gosh oh we have a story for you we do yeah we do remember okay so (laughs) nope (laughs) poor (laughs) Vanessa as you all know is all broken and crippled and so I've been her taxi I've been Mm -hmm. fortunate enough to be her taxi every once in a while so she asked if I could pick her up so we could come record and I was like absolutely so (laughs) we go out there I pick her up and then we're driving through town. She had to drop some stuff off at UPS or something like that. Yeah. And we were going to go to Starbucks. So we did her errands. We went to Starbucks. It was great. We're going to go to Starbucks get on the freeway. Come on over. Record. Seven hours ago, and (laughs) been in bed by now, but uh, so we get up to order, and you know, they do the whole like, Welcome to Starbucks, what can I get you today? And so I'm like, I don't know, and then like, I'm just talking out loud (laughs) to like Vanessa, kind of, but really just to myself because I'll listen to
2: To, to anything,
0: anything, yeah, just like I'll flirt with anything, I'll talk with anything too. I'm just gonna talk to the windshield, we had a good conversation. And I was just like, why am I even thinking about what I'm getting? At? I always get the same thing. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, I'm ready. And then they're like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you say you're ready? Yep, I'm ready. So then I tell them my order. And then I look at Vanessa, I'm like, what do you want? And she's like, oh, I want caffeine, but I don't drink coffee, and I don't like anything with caffeine. I, for the record, I do
2: not sound like this.
0: I think I did a really
2: good impression
0: of you. Anyway, so then she was like, do we have DDP?
1: She didn't call it that, but.
0: That's what Alicia
2: That's how calls. I get it down. It
1: sounds so, like a drug. I know. It's not a drug. Well, maybe it is. She's one.
0: like, I mean kind of. She's like, do we have DDP at the house? And I was like, yeah, we got DDP in the at back the of the At the house, car. like we collectively live here. We collectively <laughs> live here. <laughs> I'm sure that sometimes Jen's family feels like at the hell? So I was like, well, it's in the back of the car. I'll bring it in. I got a 12 pack. We're good to go. So she's like, all right, I'll get this weird thing that looks like frogs died for it. I don't know. It's Matcha, green. Matcha green tea. Matcha green tea. It's all foamy. <laughs> Latte. It's
1: Green, yeah, it, never looked heard re- it. it looked It looked, it looked delicious. It
0: looked like witch's brew. I'm not sure yeah. what was in yeah, it, but this happened. She was is making
2: so many faces. Right
0: now. She was trying to like <laughs> explain it to me, and we're sitting there at the right. drive-up window. This person, lovely human, that was taking our order, just sitting there on standby, listening to like what is <laughs> listening <that>? to Alicia <laughs> quiz What's me about weird? what matcha is and where it comes from. <laughs> what does this smell like? Because that's my obsession. Yeah, what drinks yeah. smell like you know. And so she got it, and I smelled it, and I couldn't smell anything. But so. all the while, the nice barista at service is just waiting for Alicia to say, that's everything, so that she can move on with her life. <laughs> and Alicia is whizzing me
2: about matcha.
0: It's oh man, I'm not going to lie, but you know what? I see them every morning, and they love, I, <laughs> they love us so much. And I've made friends with them, and so now I get these sweet little, have a great day, Alicia, notes on top of my drink, my little love notes. I love them much. So so much and then I take them into class and all the little girls in the class are like oh my gosh that's so cool
1: yeah it's yeah Alicia now owns a portion of Starbucks for as much as she goes yes
0: yes I do
1: I'm the leader of our girl gang
0: at school and I own a Starbucks so that's my life a lot has happened for me in 2022 (laughs) it's been a great year so far I'm sure catching Such COVID a and getting
2: over it. Yeah, right? 2022 yeah. is almost taking my foot off. So. Hot mess.
0: Taking your foot off. Yeah. Jen and I got COVID. <laughs> Deanie's having health issues that if she wants to talk to you about it, I'll throw her my mic. But <laughs> it, it's so much. It's so much. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we was, all oh. got hit pretty
1: hard that
2: yep and here job. we are six weeks in we're, and we're, <laughs> we're
0: golden and, yeah yes, we're good gosh. we're all on <laughs> the men.
1: we're starting to yeah be on the men.
0: yeah
1: well today we get to hear a story from miss vanessa who's looking weirdly at her watch
2: no sorry it, things happened it's fine we're okay.
1: fine <laughs> everything's fine it's fine everything's it's fine. fine we're all fine I just realized that usually I think Alicia introduces you.
0: Meh. Hey, Vanessa, you want to do a story for us? Sure, sweet. <laughs> and multiple introductions today. I love it. Do you want to get out on this? <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> um, so today,
2: this being the week of Valentine's, when you hear this, um, it's my turn to branch out. Huh. So. Buckle up, kids, because this one, as usual, got intense with the deep dive. (laughs) Um, Finding something outside the Pacific Northwest was easy when keeping with our theme of Valentine's Day, Uh, but the topic itself was so deep and complex, it's ridiculous. (laughs) And I'm sure, I, I hope that I did it justice in an understandable way, but I'm sure that there are parts that people will be like, huh? I hope not, but it'll probably happen. Um, there's really no other option during this week of time honored love tradition, but to commemorate <laughs> it with this historic event. And on this, the week of love, what better topic of discussion than unsolved murder?
1: Yay! <laughs> Alicia's happy. It's her favorite day. <laughs> They're uh, killing me so. with these murder stories. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Valentine's <laughs> Day killing me.
1: <laughs> 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 Sorry. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, Valentine's Day, nineteen twenty nine. Uh, a group of seven men were gathered in a Lincoln Park garage in Chicago. And remember, I said it's my turn to branch out, folks. So non-Pacific Northwest for this quarter. You're welcome. Um, all of the men were lined up against a wall in the garage and shot. <gasps> but before we get too far into it, we really need to back up to the beginning because this war started long before the bodies in the garage. So in Chicago during the 1920s and 30s, there were two major crime syndicate families, um, both primarily thrived due to prohibition and fighting for their territory in Chicago. Let's start with the North Side gang. Active in Chicago from 1919 to 1935, the North Side was an Irish and Polish American crime organization. Uh, They had four major leaders during their run, which began, they began as the Market Street Gang at the turn of the 20th century. Um, At that point, they were mostly pickpockets and thieves, um, and the gang made themselves known during the Circulation Wars of the early 1910s. Now, basically, the Circulation Wars were the Chicago Examiner newspaper and the Chicago Tribune literally fighting (laughs) for readers. Wow. (laughs) Okay, so they made, the the Market Street Gang made its name by participating in this battle with the newspapers. And I didn't get too far into it because seriously, so much, people. (laughs) (laughs) But this is what was happening. Okay. So during this time, uh, Dean O'Banion made a name for himself and developed valuable relationships with politicians and journalists that would come in to play later. Uh, then he, uh, a member of the Little Hellions, <laughs> 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 O'Banion would later become the first leader of the Northside gang. He was mentored by a well-known cracker of the time, Charlie the Ox Riser, oh. and would bring the Northside gang um, notoriety during Prohibition. So at the start of Prohibition, which is... Early 1920s. Um, if you're not from, if you're not familiar with what prohibition is, I apologize. <laughs> I don't know how you're not. And you've but... <laughs> been under a rock. <laughs> yeah. Um, it is when the United States banned
0: consumption of alcohol. Unless you're from another country, then we get it. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all of our listeners from other
2: countries. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. I forgot people listen to us outside. I know it's, it's oh a
0: lot. Yeah. We yeah. love you guys too. Yeah. It's awesome.
2: Sorry, I love you. <laughs> um, at the start of Prohibition, the North Side gang quickly took control of the breweries and distilleries in the north side of Chicago. This gave them a mon- monopoly on the local supply of alcohol, which was already dwindling because of Prohibition laws in the first place. Uh, this hold also gave them a monopoly over the high-end liquor and beers, uh. whereas their rival, who we'll talk about in, Dominion, in a Minion. Um, in a Minion? <laughs> in a Minion. <minute. laughs> uh, only had rock gut liquor and moonshine.
1: Rot, so rot cut liquor. Yeah, is that like a nickname? Basically, yeah. It would.
2: It's basically like pure, like what you would make in prison.
1: Yeah, <laughs>
2: like not Toi- good, not good quality. Alcohol? Yeah, cool. like not good quality at all. Toilet, <laughs> um, like toilet In addition to cornering the north side liquor market, the north side gang also burglarized local stores and ran illegal gambling operations. They refused to run any kind of human trafficking or prostitution. Woohoo! Good job, (laughs) guys. Which their counterparts were opposed to, but we'll discuss that in a minute. (laughs) Um, Although O'Banion was arrested in 1922 for burglary, the Northside gang enjoyed a wide variety of protection from the Chicago Police Department. At one point, O'Banion was throwing lavish parties for political figures and police officials and the people that he had made relationships with during the circulation wars. Um, attendees included some of the most influential people in Chicago politics, including the police lieutenant, Charles Evans. County clerk, uh, Robert Schweitzer, and that's who would write, like, um, the county clerk would be somebody that would write, like, permits and for, like, different projects and stuff. So having him in your corner would be good. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, and public, public works commissioner, Albert Sprague. Uh, there was also a wide variety of Republican and Democratic political figures. An example of the protection that the North Side enjoyed from the police would be in 1924 when the Chicago police aided the North Side gang in robbing a distillery.
0: What? <laughs> Which had previously
2: been under federal protection since Prohibition.
1: <laughs>
2: so there are lots of different examples. That was the most, like, blaringly obvious. Um. <laughs> This assist from the Chicago police allowed the North Side gang to loot this distillery in broad daylight, taking 1,750 barrels of whiskey, approximately worth a hundred thousand dollars. Dang! The police officials involved were later indicted, but it was quickly dismissed. Wait, a hundred thousand
0: dollars back then? Uh, I believe so. Yeah. Ooh wee, that's yeah. a lot. So, okay, Ooh-wee. yeah, it was a lot. It was a
2: big. It was a big deal.
0: Shut my mouth. Shut my grandmother.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, while all this was happening on the North Side of Chicago, there's another family running the South. The Chicago outfit is an Italian crime family, which originated from the larger Italian American mafia in the south side of Chicago. In the early 20th century, organized crime in Chicago was mostly made up of smaller gangs in various parts of the city. It was mostly divided into North and South by streets, which is what which is where North Side Gang got its name. Uh, in the early years, the Chicago outfit was made up of smaller street gangs controlling different territories within the South Side of Chicago. So, Big Jim Colosimo.
1: (laughs) Big Jim.
2: Yeah. Brought all the factions together in the early 20th century. In 1909, he brought out Johnny Torrio from New York.
1: Johnny (laughs) Torrio. That's how I I hear it in my head. Like, you can't even say it without me hearing it that way. (laughs) Johnny Torrio. And with
2: his help, he united the street gangs in the Chicago outfit that would go on to last well into the 1990s.
1: What? Wow, really? Yeah,
2: Woo. so this the Chicago outfit has been in one form or another since the turn of the century oh. to the 1990s. So, at the start of Prohibition, this is what the Chicago outfit's doing. Uh, Torrio convinced Al Capone to come from New York
1: and join the Chicago
2: outfit with him and Colosimo. Uh, Capone started out as a bouncer at a brothel, and this is where he contracted the syphilis that we learned oh, a few gosh. weeks ago killed him. Oh yeah the Swiss cheese That's right. of <laughs> <laughs> uh, when prohibition went officially into effect, Torrio was pushing for the family to enter bootlegging. Colosimo refused. Big Jim then got an uncontested divorce, marry a singer and eloped in Indiana <laughs> When he returned, Torrio set up a meeting telling Colosimo that a shipment was coming in and instead of a shipment, Colosimo was ambushed and shot to death. So Capone saw the opportunity to bootleg during Prohibition as well as racketeer small businesses. So at the same time that Torrio is setting up Big Jim, Capone is establishing himself as a businessman in the community, giving the outfit a place to legally source and launder their money.
0: Classy businessman.
2: This prevented any unnecessary attention from from police (laughs) because they had a way to wash it. Yeah. Okay. So the Chicago (laughs) outfit is being run by Johnny Torrio and Al Capone. Oh, as his right hand in the mid-1920s. Tensions between the Chicago outfit on the south side and the north side gang continued to fester. And in early 1924, an alliance was brokered between Torrio and O'Banion, who was the leader of the north side gang. <laughs> uh, there was some de- some debate about a debt payment um, between O'Banion and the Jenna family, who were an outlier. And sorry, who were an ally of the Chicago outfit to the tune of about 30,000. Um, Terrio ultimately honored it to keep the peace with Northside, uh, but he didn't want to. His patience wore out in May of 1924 <laughs> when O'Banion offered to sell him one of the breweries that they had previously been holding on, on. Um, While Tarillo was there inspecting the place, O'Banion arranged for a police raid <laughs> to arrest Tarillo while he was on the property. <laughs> So after his release, uh, he finally accepted the demands of the Jenna crime family and ally of the Chicago outfit. And in November 1924, three members of the Chicago outfit entered the Schofield flower shop, which O'Banion owned and shot him in the head. This would be the start of a five year war between the Northside gang and the Chicago outfit. So this is where the war begins.
0: Ultimately. This is where like all my favorite mafia movies begin right here. Like Once Beyond a Time in America. Yeah. Favorite Mafia movie of all time. Like I'm just picturing all of them. Oh, they are just this helping so us, so we're getting it all in our I head. I love Mafia stuff. This is right up my alley. So
2: immediately after O'Banion's death, his successor, Jaime Weiss, assumed leadership of the Northside gang and struck back. So in January 1925, an attempted assassination on Al Capone went down in a Chicago Southside restaurant. They fired on Capone's car and hit his driver, but missed Capone entirely. After the attempted hit, Capone had his famous armored car built. Oh, yeah. So it was because of that 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 car was built. Um, Bugs Moran, who was (laughs) Weiss's second in command, kidnapped one of Capone's bodyguards, tortured him for information, and then executed him and dumped his body. Oh, Two weeks after the Capone attempted hit, uh, Weiss and Moran and their third, Vincent Drucci, uh, ambushed and tried to kill Torrio while he was shopping with his wife. So they were, the, the north side was coming hard.
0: Yeah, you're not supposed to hit them <laughs> when they're with their family. Yeah. Jeez. Uh, so That's they true. tried to kill
2: him while he was shopping with his wife. Both Torrio and his bodyguard were injured. And when Moran went in to take the final shot, his gun misfired and the Chicago outfit was forced to flee the scene unsuccessful again. <clears throat> After this attempt, Turio decided he wanted out. He served time for some bootlegging and retired to Italy, leaving the Chicago outfit to Al Capone. As a side note, when Capone was at the height of his power, his net worth was estimated at a hundred million dollars.
0: Holy! <laughs> it's believed
2: he made sixty million a year bootlegging, prostitution, Ooh. and speakeasy businesses. But he did have Man. syphilis, so, so
0: there's, there's a trade off. <laughs> you know, sixty million a year syphilis. Syphilis. Which one are you gonna? <laughs> Which one are you going for? You can buy yourself some.
2: <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> After unsuccessful attempts on Tario and Capone, the Northside gang then went after the Jenna crime family, their, the Chicago Outfit Associates. They worked their way through the Jenna family, starting with bloody Angelo Jenna, who was shot by Moran after a car chase. Then Mike the Devil Jenna uh, was shot down by police after he turned his gun on a police follow a police officer following a shootout with Northsiders. Uh, Drucci. Killed Samuts Amatuna, who was a backer of the Jenna family, and finally Antonio the Gentleman. <laughs> Jenna was murdered. Mm. At this point, the rest of the Jenna family fled Chicago and the North Side, and the Chicago Outfits, um, the North Side and the Chicago Outfits both collected the spoils of war. So they collected whatever the Jenna family left behind. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, the North Siders um, are at the height of their power. They formed a governing council with Weiss as the head. The Jenna family was gone, and it was just them and the Chicago outfit running crime in Chicago. Turia was scared um, out of the game, and the Northsiders were able to strengthen their hold and plan another attack on Capone. A fleet of Northsider cars was deployed with Moran in the lead car to Capone's Hotel Cicero. While Capone was downstairs drinking, the Northsiders shot up the lobby of his hotel. It was at this point that Capone sent word to Weiss he wanted a truce with the Mm (laughs) Northsiders. A truce was struck, but it didn't last long. Capone was shortly after the truce, uh, was shortly after the truce was called gunned down Weiss and some of his associates, (gasps) putting Druti and Moran in charge of the Northside. Yeah.
0: Wow. (laughs) So now it's,
2: like, now it's, like, really on. (laughs)
0: Like, it was,
2: (laughs) it was mostly on before, and now it's, like... Intense. Well, you don't
0: shoot up a man's hotel.
2: I mean, that's just crass
0: right there. I'm not into it.
2: So at this point, both sides traded bombs, drive-bys, and killings for several months before a a peace conference was called. Moran and Capone both showed up to the peace conference, along with many other smaller family bosses of the Chicago Organized Crime Network. During the conference, Capone basically said Chicago was a pie and everybody should get a piece. (laughs) Everyone agreed to peace, which would last for a little while. Peace like a piece
1: of pie or peace like all the pieces? (laughs) Um,
2: But ultimately, not long enough. Jerji was killed during the peace time, but that was a result of a brawl with police, leaving Moran the sole north side boss. Eventually, conflict started again because Moran would frequently hijack Capone's beer shipments, which (laughs) angered Capone. He retaliated by burning down Moran's dog racing track. A few days later, Capone's track mysteriously went up in smoke, (laughs) too. This trading of fire reignited the war, and what it culminated in is where we started. (laughs) So let's go back to the beginning. Valentine's Day, 1929. Four unidentified men, two dressed in Chicago police uniforms, Entered a Northside Street garage at 2122 North Clark Street, the garage in Lincoln Park. There were seven men in the garage that day. Johnny May, former safe blower, who was hired by Moran as a mechanic. The Gusenberg brothers, Frank and Peter, two or two local goons who did jobs for hire. James Clark, a convicted armed robber and reputable killer. Adam Hayer, accountant and embezzler. Albert Weinshack, a nightclub owner, and Reinhard H. Swimmer, an optometrist who wasn't in the gang, but liked to bring or liked to brag to his friends about his underworld connections. <laughs> <laughs> Don't brag so about that. It's he wasn't that. officially in. He just Jeez. liked to tell people he was one of the cool kids.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> That'll get you nowhere. Lying
1: gets yeah. you nowhere.
2: <laughs> they ordered the seven men in the garage to stand against the wall. Then they pulled out two machine guns and two oh. handguns and gunned the seven men down. Whoa. Woo. There was one survivor. Frank Tight Lips Gusenberg. <laughs>
0: I
1: love all the nicknames. Was he a, the
0: optometrist? <laughs> no. Oh, he was one of the guns. Oh, uh, one of the brothers? Yeah. Oh. So he
2: later died at a Chicago hospital and oh. refused to name his attackers. Wow! Yeah. There was one surviving witness, a dog named Highball. Oh, <laughs>
1: Highball! He
2: was never the same after the massacre. Oh, and had to be my Put God. down by police. <gasps> I know he, he was, was t- killed by
1: police. Why? Well, he had, had to be down. put down. He, he went was, crazy. Yeah. Well, yeah, I would too
2: if I you know, saw seven poor people. Poor
1: thing, gunned down. Yeah.
2: yeah right. uh, Bugs Moran had been on his way to the garage that Valentine's Day. He missed being lined up and gunned down with the others by minutes.
1: Whoa. A few
2: days later, he was quoted as saying in an interview that Al Capone was the only person who killed like that. When contacted at his Florida home for comment, Capone responded that the only person who killed like that was Bugs Moran. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Now, for a hot second in the very beginning of their investigation, Chicago police believed maybe it had been the police who did it. Uh, They bailed on that one quick in favor of Capone due to this widely known rivalry between the two gangs. Uh, It was widely known that Moran was hijacking Capone's liquor shipments in Chicago. The Chicago Police Department chose to focus their investigation from there on a smaller outfit, a predominantly Jewish gang called the Purple Gang.
0: The purple like the color? Purple like the
2: color. Okay. (laughs) They believed... This massacre had been retaliation by the Purple Gang over a recent hijacking of a whiskey truckload. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Two landlord landladies, uh, Mrs. Duty, <laughs> Duty,
1: Mrs. <laughs> what Duty, Duty.
2: <laughs> and Mrs. Orvidson took three tenants in ten days before the massacre. Their boarding house was directly across the street from the Clark Street garage, where the massacre took place. The two ladies picked out mud shots of Purple Gang members, but they later changed their minds on their identification. They interviewed some of the people identified, and the crime stayed linked to the Purple Gang for a long time, despite any other evidence. Mm. Later, the Purple Gang connection was dropped, and police believe that the massacre could be related to an upcoming election in a different part of the city, where Capone supported one candidate and Moran the other. Mm. There was also the idea that perhaps it was related to dry cleaning rackets. One of the seven. <laughs> Albert <laughs> Weinshack was big in the laundry business in Chicago. <laughs> in
1: the laundry Like business. actual laundry or money launder? Actual laundry.
2: Actual. Like dry okay. cleaning. <laughs> uh, Weinshack was big in the laundry business, so that's why they suspected maybe it had something to do with dry cleaning <laughs> rackets. Um, police even circled around the idea that Moran himself had ordered the hit. It was possible Moran had become frustrated and tired of the trouble the Gusenbergs often found themselves in, being the goons for hire that they were. Uh, But they couldn't come up with a reason why he would have taken everyone else out in the garage. They eventually circled back to where they had started, that police may have done it. The story goes that Moran's gang stole a truckload of liquor from a crooked police officer, and the massacre was a retaliation for the crime. But even that didn't make sense. Why had the men been gathered there that day, well-dressed? Usually police took people out during that time by arresting them, shooting them, and claiming they tried to escape. So why execution style? If it was to recoup lost liquor money, why weren't the deceased robbed? Mm. So this plan had a lot of holes in it as well. (laughs) Uh, Toward the end of February 1929, police were called out to a garage fire. They found a 1927 Cadillac sedan, burned and partially disassembled. It was determined that this was the car used by the gunman in the massacre. They linked the engine number to a Michigan Avenue auto dealer who sold it to a James Morton of Los Angeles. The garage where it was burned was rented by a man calling himself Frank Rogers, who gave an address linked to a cafe operated by Claude Maddox, an associate of Capone, the Purple Gang, and the St. Louis Gang, Egan's Rats. Police naturally couldn't find anything on James Morton or Frank Rogers, but they finally felt they had a lead with some other info. Minutes before the murders occurred, a truck driver by the name of Elmer Lewis turned a corner a block from the Clark garage and sideswiped a cop. Yikes. Oh, wow! Well, <laughs> I yeah. didn't want to be that truck driver. No. Uh, the officer waved him away to, despite him stopping because of the accident, and the driver noticed he was missing a front tooth. <laughs> a witness to the accident, the Board of Education Director H. Wallace Caldwell gave the same description of the officer missing a tooth. Oh. Police were pretty sure that they were both describing Fred Berg. He and his associate James Ray were known to wear police uniforms when on a robbery spree, and they were known former members of Egan's Rats, which is the St. Louis gang. Hmm. There's a slew of other gang members associated with Capone who could have been guilty for one reason or another, but with little to no evidence, the case basically went cold from there. Okay. Hmm. Okay. So, until December 1929, okay, in another con- uh, county in Michigan, a sheriff's department raided the bungalow of Frederick Dane, the registered owner of Fred Burke's vehicle. Burke had been drinking the night of the massacre and rear-ended another vehicle before being pursued by police. <laughs> the police forced Fred Burke off the road after police officer Charles Skelly hopped on the floorboard of the moving vehicle Ooh. in an attempt to pull it over. That's I, quest- I question this police work. <laughs> uh, Skelly was shot three times and <gasps> died later that night. I mean, obviously, he's standing in the window of Balls someone who's trying to get to away the from
0: walls. Men. Police work, yeah,
2: seriously. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the car was wrecked, or uh, the wrecked car was traced to Fred Dane, who police figured out was actually Fred Burke, the driver who got away um, from this. His bungalow, so his house, was raided, and it yielded a bulletproof vest, $320,000, two submachine guns, and two handguns, among other weapons. Mm. Chicago Mm. police requested the weapons, um, and ballistics traced the machine gun rounds to those used in the massacre. (gasps) Burke was finally captured a year later on a farm in Missouri. The case against him with the forensic ballistics is the strongest they have in the Valentine's Day massacre. But they had the most evidence for the murder of Officer Skelly during the hit and run. Because of that, he was tried in Michigan and sentenced to life in prison rather than being tried in Illinois for the massacre. Hmm. Okay. So this is where it gets bananas. <laughs> this is where gets bananas. Like, uh... Yes. Woo! Okay. So it's long been believed that Al Capone ordered this hit as retaliation for this war, right? Right. In 2010. <laughs> Okay, we sped up time. Yeah. (laughs) The Chicago Magazine ran an article uncovering some previously unreleased information from the FBI casework around the Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh, It brought to light some interesting and compelling information about another suspect. So four years after the massacre in 1935, a bank robber by the name of Byron Bolton was in custody for an unrelated crime. Looking to reduce his sentence on the whole bank robbery thing, he tells police he knows who committed the Valentine's Day massacre. Whoa! He tells police it's Fred Burke and four other men. Bolton claims to have been the lookout on the massacre job. He claims Capone ordered the hit. And Bolton's story made huge headlines across the country and brought attention back to Valentine's Day massacre. But it didn't fit. Capone was not... Uh, It wasn't time, like it wasn't right that he would bring in a whole hit squad when he usually hired one person to get the job done. Uh, It was very unlike Capone to send in that many people. And why, uh, since it had been unsuccessful, had he not ordered another hit on Moran since he wasn't there? Even though nothing came from Bolton's story, it did make national news and catch the attention of a Chicagoan by the name of Frank T. Farrell. When Farrell read the news, he sat down and wrote J. Edgar Hoover at the FBI that he had info on the Valentine's Day massacre. He claimed he had been doing undercover investigative work. I'm putting quotes (laughs) around that. (laughs) And discovered that a 40-year-old former Chicago police officer by the name of William Davern, Jr., had been shot during a bar fight in November 1928. Davern was the son of a Chicago police sergeant.
1: Davern was the key
2: to taking down the mystery of the Valentine's Day Massacre. Mm -hmm. The story goes like this. William Davern had been in the kitchen of a popular gang hangout on that night, November night in 1928. A fight broke out, and Davern ended up catching a bullet in the stomach. He was rushed to a car and driven to the corner of Rush Street and Austin Street, where he was dumped out. (laughs) He got to the nearest firebox A call box and was taken to a hospital. He held on for a month in the hospital. And while he refused to tell police the name of his shooters, he did tell his cousin, William White. (laughs) Uh, They had grown up together and Davern felt White was the only one he could trust. And at this point, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. The Chicago Police Department has not been the most trustworthy (laughs) this decade. So I get it. Uh, William was tough and ugly and had lost two fingers in either an accident or a botched safe-cracking job. Oh, my God.
1: Accounts vary. Let's blow up those two fingers.
2: (laughs) (laughs) He held a status as one of Chicago's most vicious criminals with an extremely long rap sheet. He decided to avenge his cousin's death by seeking revenge on the men who had killed him. White contacted the Gusenbergs and told them he was planning a factory payroll robbery and needed their help. As I said before, the Gusenbergs were your lower level goons for hire. (laughs) Uh, They gathered a team, which would explain why all of Moran's men were gathered in the garage that Valentine's Day. He can be tied to the two guys in police attire, part of the massacre, too. In 1926, uh, White worked with the Gusenbergs on a robbery of an international harvester factory. For
1: eighty thousand dollars, <laughs> <laughs> and I look at each other. And just as start I singing. was writing this story, I knew that that was going to happen.
2: As soon as the words, Sorry. as soon as the words "international harvester" left yeah. my fingers, I knew that that song was going to be sung, and I'm
1: yes. I'm here for
2: it. Okay, <laughs> I just knew it was going to happen.
1: <laughs> yeah, how do you not?
2: Uh, one of the eight men involved in that robbery started ratting out names after the fact white hired two men dressed them in police attire and sent them to the rats home to murder him in a sleep so he's linked to the police attire business and he's the one that had the gusenbergs gather these people Uh, white was familiar with police uniforms and people's reactions to them and he also had easy access since his uncle was a (laughs) chicago police sergeant Pharaoh's letter also explains why the seven men in the garage never pulled their weapons or fired on the four entering the garage. They were expecting them. Ugh. Having been hired to work a job together, they were waiting for them. Uh, it's believed that perhaps Herbert Hoover, who was the president at the time had just recently been elected uh, let the suspicion hang over Al Capone because he was such, he had such a deep desire to get Capone on something anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, He'd used this desire throughout his entire presidential campaign, and now it was time to pony up to the (laughs) U.S. citizenry. (laughs) So, shortly after the massacre, uh, there were witnesses who came forward about police activity on the street outside the garage. There was one piece of info that had been deemed inconsequential until this story came forward from Farrell. One of the eyewitnesses claimed... That there had been a police cruiser in front of the garage. Four or five men climbed in it and drove away. The witness noticed that the driver was missing a finger.
1: No, just one. Uh, they said one, <laughs> but that was the only like well, that could what have been the one they were missing.
0: Only one on each hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> right. That'd be really unfortunate.
2: Uh, the clue was never followed up on in the 1930s. Uh, it was. So it was never followed up on at the time because they felt it it wasn't going to lead them anywhere. So they yeah. just didn't do anything with it. But as we know, who's missing a finger? William White. Uh, in the 1930s, White worked as a police informant in exchange for FBI protection. Having been a part of the life, he knew the players and he had some pretty decent intel. In January 1934, some of White's peers discovered he was a rat for the FBI and he was executed in his home. Oh. The killers were never apprehended. So Frank Farrell sat down and wrote this entire letter to J. Edgar Hoover at the FBI um, over a year after White's execution. Dang. So the response from the FBI was that the case was closed. No one uh, would hear from Farrell after that, and attempts to contact his family were unsuccessful. Mm -hmm. The Valentine's Day massacre basically left a five-year gang war between Al Capone and Bugs Moran at a standstill. It was covered by news outlets nationally and brought a light to the severity of organized crime violence and power to the average American. The crime scene photos were among the most graphic ever printed in American press to date. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chicago, Chicago had already become known, excuse me, as the gangland crime capital, but this was gruesome even for Chicago. The massacre led to a crackdown on all gang activity in Chicago by the federal government and eventually led to the downfall of both the Northside gang and the Chicago Outfit. Although the Chicago outfit pressed on quite a bit longer. When the garage was slated for demolition in 1967, an entrepreneur by the name of George Patey recovered the bricks from the wall in the garage. Patey tried several business ventures with the bricks, including putting them in a club restroom or selling them through the mail. 300 (laughs) of the bricks are displayed in the Mob Museum in Las Vegas. The Mob Museum? There's a Mob Museum? Yeah. In Las Vegas? It's off of Fremont Street and it's red. Jack, I, I think
0: that's where we need to go <laughs> for our 20th Free-Mart anniversary. Street. I don't care about Vegas, but I want to go to the mall. She doesn't Museum. want to go to the
1: uh, country of love anymore, which is Canada. Canada? No,
0: I still <laughs> want to go there. <laughs> Let's not get crazy, Jen. I oh. still need to go to Canada and make my dream of having a rock and roll 20th anniversary come true. Because that's where rock and roll is, is Canada. <laughs> <laughs> <What>? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Who knew you could go to Canada for rock and roll? Rock and roll. <laughs>
0: <laughs> rock and roll.
2: Well, that, my friends, if you yeah. want to see the bricks, they're in Las Vegas. And that is the story Are they still bloody? of the Valentine's Day. Gosh, Easter. I hope so. Yeah, they have like bull holes
1: and stuff in them. <gasps> yeah. oh. Have you been there, Deanie? He didn't get them no. all, but he got. I have. Oh. They
2: did, uh, you, you went to the mob museum?
1: Rogers yeah. Thing. Oh, my gosh.
0: Do you, did you have pictures? Uh, maybe. <gasps> well, if you find I'll them want we'll to can post find. them, that'd be lovely. I want to see some bricks. Uh, before
2: we get into it, here's my <laughs> sources. Oh yes, yeah. intense <gasps> madness. I uh, have variety of Wikipedia articles, North Side Gang, Chicago Offit. Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh history.com, Saint Valentine's Day Massacre. Uh the mobmuseum.org, Saint Valentine's Day Masker wall. Uh, ChicagoMag.com, the St. Valentine's Day Masquerade Al Capone. Excerpt from Get Capone, which I believe is a book. Nice. (coughs) And there you have it, people. Happy (laughs)
0: Valentine's Valentine's Week. week. (laughs) job. After reading all of this, who do you think was responsible for
2: it? I'm feeling really good about the whole uh, William White situation. I really am, because he has a documented history of using police uniforms in his crimes. Mm-hmm. He is one of the most vicious criminals, so I wouldn't put it past him. And I wondered when I started reading this, why? Cause I mean that you can't tell me that they all were armed. Right. In right. the garage. You can't tell me that. So why didn't anybody pull a gun? Yeah. Like, why did they let them line them up against the wall? You know what I yeah. mean? Like, yeah. And so I, I feel like that makes the most sense. That they were, they were waiting for him. Yeah, because they thought they had all been hired for this job together.
0: You make a good point. Now, now I changed my mind. I was going <laughs> to say Bugsy, but now I'm I'm kind of going with White. Why Bugsy? I don't know. I just don't like him. <laughs> <laughs> he seems like a real jerk, and I just feel like he would do it. I don't know. If I was going to rate them, I would go William
2: White first, and I would go Al Capone second.
0: I don't know. I because feel like they'd been in this five
2: year like back and forth of just burning Chicago down.
0: <laughs> That's true. I don't know. I just feel like Bugsy would do it. I just them. don't like I name. really don't like him. <laughs> and also I feel like he just wanted yeah. to blame it on Al Capone to get him out of the way. Because um, when it first happened everyone was like, obviously it's Al Capone. So I mean, like they went right to him. So I just feel like Bugsy's like, yeah, get him out of the way so I can take it over. You know what I mean? I don't know. That was my feeling. But then, well, why, but why would you ta- want to take out that many like
2: that variety of criminal from your organization? I don't know. Cause they're crazy. <laughs> I
1: mean, <laughs> nobody said these guys are smart. Cause they're crazy. <laughs> nobody <laughs> said they The were other smart.
2: thing that I thought was really interesting was that at the time President Hoover had made all of the, like he had built his entire political platform on squashing Chicago crime. Yeah. And so they, I totally, totally buy into the fact that they let it hang over Al Capone for the sake of the American public, not liking him. Yeah. He was very unpopular because Uh he had been, I mean, he had spent so much time cultivating all these relationships as a, as a legitimate businessman who washed money yeah. With all, and racketeered businesses. So, I totally buy that.
0: <laughs> okay, so now a few, was it a few weeks ago, two weeks ago, You when you did your last story about Alcatraz? Yeah. And Al Capone was there. Mm-hmm. What year was that that he was there versus here? I mean, like, how long was it after?
2: Um, So, okay? in, if I'm not mistaken, I hope I'm not, Um, the reason that he was in Florida... At the time of the, so that's 1929. Okay. Um, I want to. S- I want to say that he was there to testify before a grand jury about his um, charges of tax evasion.
0: Okay,
2: but so- I don't know if that makes sense because didn't we say that Alcatraz closed in 1929?
0: No, it was still around when by oh, no, when my mom was born. It was like 60 something in 1929. Yeah, it didn't close until like 1960 I knew something or 70-something. 1929 was a was a thing. You're it right was in there.
2: It opened in 1929. So yeah. I think he was in he was at his Florida state appearing before grand jury about mm-hmm. tax evasion. So
0: he was caught in Florida. I believe so.
2: Again, I am not nothing
0: sure. I ever knew about Al Capone. I just figured, I don't know, I just figured he was in Chicago for his yeah. whole entire life until he went to Alcatraz. I don't know. Talk amongst yourselves and I'll find out. Though I future. also thought that he died in <laughs> Alcatraz and I was blown away when you did that and then he was like let off and let out and off the island because I totally thought he died there. There's a book that I really want to get. It's in my Amazon wishlist thingy no it's not It's yes, yes, so. in my you're gonna buy it next but it's called um you're al capone did does my shirts or did my laundry or something <laughs> and it's like a like a chapter book for like sixth seventh graders and apparently it's fantastic oh. and it's you know historical fiction
1: which is right up my alley so yeah. i may have to read it even though it's for younger children i probably still enjoy it hey, Amen. yeah I've I like had to history. bust out the children's Bible before because I'm like, I don't know what story right? they're talking about. So <laughs> let's read it. In I'm going to go yeah. over here and then look at the pictures. And... <laughs> it's all about the
0: pictures. Let's see here. Right. Vanessa found something. On Maybe. Al Capone Hold on. When Al Capone died, was he married? Was he ever married? I'm asking so many questions. I know. I'm so, so sorry. No. I'm really interested in his life right now. I can't. I don't know. (laughs) Wasn't there also a movie? I'm just gonna keep asking questions. Wasn't there also a movie about Bugsy that like Beatty played or something? Was am I losing my mind?
1: (laughs) Maybe I might be. I don't know. No, because Bugsy sounds super familiar. I know, right? I don't know. That wasn't one of the things that people said on uh, Home Alone, was it? On the movie he was watching.
2: That's not a real movie.
1: Yeah, no. Did you know that?
2: They made that for Home Alone.
0: Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you know what we haven't done? Never mind. You do your Al Capone, then then I'm going to finish up with something. Go (laughs) on, Vanessa. Okay, I think
2: Dini actually found it. Yay, Dini's back. Uh, (laughs) So he was released from... What are you sending me? He was released in November
0: 1939. From Alcatraz. From Alcatraz. Okay.
2: And that's when he died.
0: Oh, yeah, he got released because he was like super sick from syphilitic brain issues, right? Oh, <laughs> hold on. <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Elevator music? <Yes>. Here. <laughs> <laughs> None
2: of this no, is no, what are we're are talking you. about. Why
0: are you sending this to me? You wanted to Get out of here.
2: In, in no, no, no. No, didn't we wanted in to in know prison. when yeah. he was arrested and sent there. Yeah. Or where he was or where arrested. Where he was arrested. Yeah. So it looks like after, like, there were a few people after the Valentine's Day Massacre that, like, rallied and went to the president. And they were like, look at what a hot mess yeah. Chicago is. And so <laughs> they, like, basically got together and tried to figure out as many different ways as they could to take him down. Okay. So. October 18th,
1: 1931, he was convicted after trial. Okay. So okay. he was
2: convicted in 1931. He probably went to Alcatraz sometime in 1932, maybe. Okay.
0: And he was out by 39.
2: Yeah. Okay. He wasn't right. there. He was only, yeah, it had to have been 1932 because he was only there for like eight. Yeah. Was like seven, eight seven eight and a half. For
0: 11.
2: Yeah. Yes. But they let him out early because his brain was Swiss cheese from the syphilis. <laughs> <laughs> We're on track.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I am
2: not kidding. Full so confusing. Guys. Like I, we could have done like a four part series on Chicago yeah. mob history. I'm not even joking. It was bananas. I, I was like, okay, team, we're going to have to whittle this down to what's important <laughs> here because this is crazy
1: town. you like, there's too much.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. So he went to Atlanta first in 1932. And that's where he was diagnosed with the syphilis and some oh, bonus wow. gonorrhea. Yeah. <laughs> I'll
1: have gonorrhea for 500. Um,
2: he was also one. suffering from withdrawal from cocaine. So that's cute. Oh, Um and then that's, I think, him just being a generally awful person got him sent to Alcatraz after that. <laughs> I was going to say
0: that's what he died of. No. He was just generally awful. He was awful. just generally died awful. Died of dickness. And he just, <laughs> yeah. Yes. He
2: died of dickness. Thank you, Jen. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there you go. So he got to play banjo because of good behavior. He gotta play the banjo?
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, he had good he had he was
2: on good behavior in Alcatraz, so he got to play the banjo. Remember the you can still hear banjo playing in the in the bathroom?
0: In the Wow. Shower? You know what the one thing I remember Beginning about Alcatraz? <laughs> I, I went and saw it like twenty years ago and it was the only time I ever saw it, even though I lived there, but not on Alcatraz, but I lived around there. And uh, <laughs> just gonna get when that I was out there, <laughs> When I was in Alcatraz. The room that was the creepiest is probably not what you think. It was the barber. The barber room was mm. freaking creepy.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it was just so
0: creepy. I was just like, no, no. Just, I'll braid it. Like, there's no way I'd go in there and get my hair cut. Uh-uh. <laughs> I'll braid it. Okay, nasty. people. August
2: 1934 is when he landed on the rock. So I spent two years in Atlanta being bad.
0: Oh, and being then he extra was only bad,
2: and son. then he got sent to Alcatraz. And then he cleaned it up and got to play the banjo. And Aww. then they let him out early because he's brain the swishies. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Life and to
1: Times of the Al Capone. And he cleaned it up and got to play the banjo. Yeah.
2: <laughs> That's awesome. Life and Times of Al Capone. Yes. You're welcome. Yay. Bonus Valentine's Day. It was beautiful. I
1: love it. Awesome. You did amazing. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Thank good job. you guys for joining us again. And... Yeah, yeah, we'll catch you again next week. <laughs> <Yay>! <laughs> now, I feel like I need to go watch some something, some something, some
0: or Bella Mafia. That one's good. Have you ever seen Bella Mafia? You look like one of the girls in Bella Mafia. <laughs> Is that <laughs> why you <laughs> exactly. named your dog Bella? bad thing. Uh, they were all hot Dini. They were all hot. <laughs> Cyclops Probably from X-Men was in it. So <laughs> They were all hot. They not. were bad but they were hot. So it
1: was fine. It was fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay guys, we'll see you later. Bye.
0: Bye.